Hi, and welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV movie podcast, movie award podcast, where usually we talk about movies that get nominated and win MTV movie awards and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Gregg, a foremost kissing expert. And today we got something a little bit different on the docket. How are you doing today, Ben? <laughs> I'm doing really, really well. Um... This was like, this was a nice, uh, I like this. This was a good change of pace. Yeah, we should do this more often. Yeah, I really appreciated your recommendations. Um, not only were like they both really good movies, but they were like, it's been a, like, the last time I feel like I watched like a, a movie like The Witness was during the beginning of this list. Just like the way that older movies just like quote unquote older movies it's from like the 80s and 90s but the way those ones like sounded just like this is a very unique feeling yeah and i'll give your i'll give like your picks this i liked shrek forever after a lot better on the second watch it's <laughs> like i was already like oh yeah this one is pretty good and then i watched it, i'm like yeah no this is just like a good movie like it's yeah no um <laughs> yeah shrek 4 I, I got the privilege of watching that with my friend Ian, and um, he didn't like it very much, but I liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah, like, we'll, we'll talk about it, but yeah. first I guess we should explain what what we were doing, so in case you miss, missed it, or like you saw the episode Host Choice, and you're like, huh, I don't remember a year called Host Choice, what's that? Um, <laughs> it's just the... No one remembers that in between 2012 and 2013, we had our weird host year. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone forgets. So for the past month, we have been watching through the Twilight movies, which were pretty dominant for at least a couple years at the MTV Movie Movie Awards there, and definitely in the Best Kiss category, where they won not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. Um... Yeah, and nominated five. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, twice, twice in one year. Yeah, the yeah. Fir- nominated uh, five times for four movies. Yeah, but, but unfortunately, <laughs> there are five Twilight movies, and for whatever reason, we went into some speculation of it last week. Like, be it because they were worried about like excessive drama from like the. Yeah, actors, or be it that, like, they just did not want to, like, reward Twilight anymore. The fifth Twilight movie was almost completely shut out of, like, nomination and of nominations at the MTV Movie Awards 2013, save for a Best Shirtless Performance nomination. Which was weird, because, like, that wasn't even his best shirtless performance in the series, if I'm being honest. Um, like, the, ah, it's just, it's... It's a damn shame, and that's why this week we have uh, come to rectify it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, as um, if you've listened to the end of last podcast, essentially what happened was that we decided we were going to do a week where we wanted to just talk about uh, Twilight Breaking Down Part 2. And so to fit with the format of these podcasts, we decided that um, I would pick two uh, movies or TV shows Kenny would pick two movies or TV shows, and then we'd watch the, the the five list that we had made after that point. Yeah, why do a short episode about one movie when we can do a classic long episode about five? Like, <laughs> Exactly. It's just math. <laughs> exactly. If I, uh, I'm trying to remember. 
trying to remember the format of the podcast that we do literally every week. Well, usually um, the format is I tell you about the year and we talk about <laughs> stuff from that, yeah. but like this year it's <laughs> like no all over the place. About. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess um, without context, uh, tie the, tying them both together, out of 10, what would you rank my recommendations? Out of, like, no, they were both solid. I both enjoyed them. One is from... Yeah, one was a Shrek movie, and <laughs> the other was a cartoon, like a cartoon web series You, I have seen, like, three episodes of, because whenever you're like, hey, watch this with me. Like, it's <laughs> Listen, I, through whatever means, I'm going to get you to watch all the episodes, but not, like, in, like, a normal way where I, where we just watch them together. I'm going to create some sort of social obligation for you to watch them with me. Um <laughs> But I'll yeah, be at your uh, wedding and you'll be like, hmm, I love you as much as I love the following episode of Hell of a Boss. And then the projector comes down and my wife puts her puts her hands in her head and she's like, really? At this end of reception? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, um, sorry, like if you could give a number, I guess, to, to my, to my uh, recommendation chops. What would you give it? Oh, okay. I see what you're asking me. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I'd I'd say a ten because I appreciated that oh you fought outside the box. This <laughs> <laughs> so is going to be awkward I... when you only give me like a nine, but like yeah, it's... no. Well, I was I was honestly going to change mine depending on yours. I was going to give you one more than you gave me, but that's actually hell yeah, eleven. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But that's actually now mathematically impossible because improper fractions and mixed numbers don't exist despite what math will tell you and neither um, does so breaking on part two's nomination so it's a themed week you know but yeah i would also give yours like a 10 out of 10 like i was like kind of blown away by both of them honestly yeah because definitely... i'm like what movies do i like that i won't be able to talk about here <laughs> otherwise <laughs> exactly um yeah and definitely like my recommendation i remember the shrek one that one like came about like kind of i want to say last minute because i wanted to make sure that like i gave like each of us enough time because i know you're like a couple weeks ahead but like i watched these movies flying by the seat of my pants um i think originally i was going to do i, I had two movies that were going to take the shrek spot and it was uh blue Val. i think i said this on last episode it was blue valentine which like that's a horribly sad movie uh that like doesn't even have a good kiss <laughs> Um, and then the other one was going to be one, um, I can't remember what year it's from. It's called, it's called Once. And it's also, it's like kind of like a, it's not a jukebox musical, but it's like a musical very similar to, uh, to Across the Universe. So I'm glad I didn't end up going with it. Oh, oh yeah. Once is good. That would have been fun. Yeah. We could have sung Falling Slowly at the end of the episode <laughs> instead of exactly. what we're going to do. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a, a Say It To Me Now fan. Um, that's probably my favorite song from that soundtrack. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess to, to our listeners, um, I'm trying to think, I guess now we can go into the, the nominees. I guess there aren't no, there aren't any nominees. We, we will decide who wins. There are nominees. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They're ours. So Uh, we kind of, we kind of presuppose Twilight winning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so the kenny and ben nominees for this hypothetical mtv movie award with no like theme or year limitations oh yeah 
And I definitely picked Twilight as my number one for either of them. <laughs> the nominees are Witness, 1985, Harrison Ford, and Ke- uh, Kelly McGillis. Um, Hell of a Boss, Season 1, Episode 6, 2021. Brandon Rogers and Bryce Pinkham. Across the Universe, 2007. Jim Sturgis and Evan Rachel Wood. Shrek Forever After, 2010. Mike Myers and Cameron Diaz. And the Twilight one, Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part 2, 2012. Kirsten Stewart and Robert Pattinson. So how about those closing credits? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like, Like, listen, I'm, you know what? I finished all the Twilight movies now. I can sit back and upon sobered thought go, oh my gosh, the plots are so bad. <laughs> like, the events are just so, like, contrived and nonsense and, like, um, and, like, really, like, are just, like, in any other movie, I feel like I would hate it, but I love these series now. Yeah. Um <laughs> But, like, if I were to, like, write out on paper, which I, I technically did on a notepad, like, the actual like events of every movie and like what happened it sounds awful like it just sounds like wait wait then that happens he imprints on a what um i mean that part is awful but that part and i love oh the beginning of this movie i really love how bella has like the most like reasonable response (laughs) when he finds out about jacob's uh imprinting I really appreciate that. That's like a really, that's really nice. I'm glad that there's like, it feels like there was somebody that like, I don't know like what, or which, like how these movies are filmed. I assume that like, they don't get a chance to come out before the other one starts filming, but it yeah. feels like Bella was like representing like a very real response to what happened at the end of that movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, the movie, they were like based on books and it's definitely something that I've heard was in the studio's head where they're like, man, how do we possibly make this light thing work in like a movie? (laughs) (laughs) They did their best. And also like, maybe you'll have more insight than this than I do. Why was it like a gross CGI baby? Why didn't they just get like a regular baby? Do you, okay. Is there a reason? Okay. So, Babies are notoriously hard to, like, shoot with because you can only do, like, so much, have so much time with them. And also, because it was, like, a vampire baby, and because they'd already done the same, where, like, oh, yeah, she'll grow up and be, like, imprinted. They needed her to, like, have, like, specifically have the eyes of Mackenzie Foy, who, like, plays her when she's, like, a bit, ages, ages up. So... Their original plan was they had gotten, like, uh, yeah, hold on, I'm gonna look it up, but they had gotten essentially, like, a puppet, kind of? I would have loved that! Oh my no, gosh! There is footage with the whole, I'm going to... It's like, yeah, like a doll for, like, those scenes. And the doll looks, I'm going to, like, send you a picture <laughs> yeah. in the chat. I If oh you're watching God. from home, just... T- Look type at my in Twitter. Twilight re- Breaking Dawn yeah. baby doll. Yeah, go to or go to my Twitter. I'm gonna retweet this episode with a picture of it 100. Um, percent 
Um, there's no way I'm not. <laughs> yeah. It is, I'm excited for you to, like, see this thing. But it was so disturbing. Oh, ads gone delay. It's... This is going to make for exciting content as I, like, build up to, like, your eventual scene of this thing. But it was so disturbing that a CGI baby was the best option. It was way better. And I guess, um, while you're loading that up, sort of like a tangentially rated thing, did the CGI wolves look worse in this one? Or, Or am I just forgetting how they looked in the other ones? I didn't really notice. Okay, it is set. Yeah, it, it feels like they looked... At least from my... Uh, oh, that's amazing. They should have kept with that. That looks awesome. And, like, it's a weird, like... It's a freak baby. It would totally make sense that it would look weird. They could have totally played off that. That's awesome. There's, like, there's like video footage. <laughs> sort of, like, I, I get why they went for, like, the... I, I, I understand. They should have, um... They should have did it like uh like Who Framed Roger Rabbit or um or uh whatchamacallit, Looney Tunes back in action and just like drawn her on top of everything. Um, yeah. But the doll was named <laughs> Ch- Chuck Hesme, like Chucky. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like uh when you said it was a puppet, I was like fully ready for it to be like a like a Muppet. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Oh, yes. If Wait. it was a Muppet, it would have been fine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Have you seen um, Have you seen Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Yes. Yeah. Isn't there? Isn't I feel like it's like it's like the, it's like a minor character's minor character. But there's like a grandma of like, I think it's like Ty, one of Titus's boyfriends who's just a Muppet. And like, there's nobody brings attention to it at all. And it's like one of the funniest bits in anything I've ever seen. Um, I'm not sure if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, I I was thinking you were talking about the later the later bit where it's Titus literally gets into a Me Too situation with a Muppet from Sesame Street. <laughs> not a real Muppet, like one they just had to make up for yeah. obvious reasons. <laughs> no, like because like yeah, because like but that's like that's like in universe a Muppet. Like I think it's implied that in universe this is supposed to be like a person that just looks like that. Yeah, um, and I great. feel like. You know, I feel like they could have done something here and gotten away with it. Um, yeah. Oh, I guess we've kind of, we've gone on for a bit, but um, what did you think of the movie? Yeah, so this is, as I've said, I, I was not really a fan of Eclipse or Breaking Dawn Part 1, but this one really kind of brings it on home, home for me. Like, you know, maybe it's because Bella is a vampire is, like, a really interesting idea, like, especially when she's, like, in that early phase where she's kind of, where, like, they have to, like, keep an eye on her, and she's just all, like, uh, motions and stuff. And then, uh, and then, like, the, the idea is, so, like, if, I realize we've never really, like, we don't talk a ton about the plot of this one, but if, if you've never seen it, basically, the idea there is Bella's a vampire now, and the existence of their, of them having a baby becomes an issue with those, yeah, with the council of all, Cherry, who think that it's just like a child that got turned into a vampire, which is against their oh. rules. Oh my! Okay, I'm glad that like, cause I was I was mildly confused. You know, like that flashback to like the village. I thought it was like two vampires made a baby. I thought that's what that was. Um, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. No, the issue isn't like the vampire babies, which is yeah. like rare, and that does kind of becomes 
I think at the end, yeah, no, the issue's definitely that it's like, oh, it's a kid who's a vampire. Yeah, if yeah. it was a kid who's a vampire, so they so they come to destroy, and then the film is a lengthy sequence of them gathering allies from around the world, and then gearing yeah. up for a final <laughs> battle, and yeah. then you see a final battle that did not happen in the books, and like apparently freaked everyone out, <laughs> and then they reveal it's a vision, which I described yeah. this to you in detail, like on our first Twilight episode, and it, and it still, still caught, caught you. It still caught me, because like, I was even thinking about it, and I was like, oh, I wonder when like it's going to start. I wonder when, like, I wonder when it's going to start doing that, the vision. Because I thought, I was like, oh, maybe they're going to have, like, because, like, um, we talked, you, you mentioned it earlier, but, like, the credit scene in this movie is super long. So I assumed that, like, the fight I was seeing was, like, the first of two fights. Like, because, like, because you look at, like, the timestamp and it's like, oh, I'm only halfway through. But, like, it turns out that, like, like 20 of those last couple minutes is going to be like the credits um (laughs) it's worth it (laughs) oh super worth it oh my gosh and like um i think here's it's weird i feel like we have like i enjoyed this one a lot but i feel like we have like very inverse feelings about twilight movies because like i like this one a little bit less than i liked uh part one um but i would totally i would trade part one for like a part one where they like gathered everybody and like you got to know these people a little better and then like a part two of like development um because i just feel like you get to meet like a lot of vampires but you don't get to know a lot about them which is like kind of like probably like one of like the uh one of my biggest problems with this movie is that like all the vampires are like great i honestly like i really like them but like i just wish i got to see more of them you know and I, yeah. I like the are they what are they are they Transylvanian? I'm trying to remember like the two the two sort of more gothic ones. Yeah, um, I think those are the ones from like Transylvania when Yeah. And like they wanna like get they like they wanna get vengeance, um, and stuff like that. Those guys are really interesting. Um Yeah. It's always something where you're like, wait, we spent all this book on just like teenage like love triangle bullshit when we could have been like exploring the intrigue of vampires from around the world the entire time. Like, <laughs> I feel like, oh man. But like that being said, I don't regret any of the time I spent with the teenage love triangle bullshit. I, <laughs> I absolutely like. I wish that Jacob got more of a redemption. He really doesn't get a redemption in this. He doesn't even um, really get to be in the fight because he has to protect no. his like imprinted he baby. Doesn't, like, he doesn't get to be a fight. He's still kind of like a petty asshole about stuff. Like he's not like he doesn't feel like he's a better person than from like the movie just previous. Like man, there's Rami Malik vampire. That's awesome. Um, there's a scene where Edward is in like a hoodie and it looks just, it kind of looks ridiculous. Um, I guess it like, it's, I I don't know why they chose it. It just feels like really weird. And like, I guess it makes sense that like, because of like where he lives now and like they all sort of, they're all sort of dressed to like their locale a little bit. Um, but he's literally just wearing like the stuff you wake up in. Um, and you know, I guess, I guess my, the, the thing that makes that scene in particular funny is it's also the scene where like, he's giving like his big impassioned speech. Um, 
Oh man. Yeah, this movie is a you know what? I in no way regret watching all of the Twilights. And then I don't remember which movie we talked about. Um where I can't remember which one it was, where I feel like I feel like if I really were to like you know, think analytically, I don't think the credits deserved to make me feel the way that I actually felt. Because yeah, I, I I was swept. <laughs> like Yeah, I forget where how I brought it up before, but something else where it's like I'm not sure this is earned, but like it's there. Like Yeah. <laughs> for anyone who hasn't seen Twilight Breaking Dawn Part Two, what the credits basically do is as a different version of a thousand years starts playing, like the more like do du- duet version, they yeah they essentially show, um, similar to how like in Avengers Endgame, like how every single character in the movie got kind of like a title card, and then the like big the big names got did their signatures or whatever, except on a scale where every single person who like ever appeared in a speaking part in a Twilight movie. Gets a little card. Some of them share. Some get, like, single cards. The ones who get single cards aren't always who you'd expect. Um, yeah. Like, the Rami, the Rami Malik one gets his own card. Um, yeah. While Anna Kendrick, like, shares. Even though, like, she was probably a big name despite being a minor character in that. Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah um both actresses who play the role of victoria because they recast with evan rachel wood like in the third one get their own card and yeah. and then when it gets to the main three they do like a thing where they get longer sequences and they show you the books and go to the very first instances of their names and it's like again it is like shockingly effective like if you've never watched the movie if you just watch breaking Dawn. Not- on part two credits on YouTube, you will probably be feeling something by the end of it. Like it's, yeah, it's it's. I don't think ah maybe maybe the scholars of time will will debate this to the end. I don't think it's earned, but it definitely feels good. You know, one million percent. <laughs> yeah, it's... yeah, it's uh and then um yeah and then sort of I think you know we we got a. We got a lot of power in this week. We sort of get to pick the kisses, you know? Um, and I think we both decided on sort of like the ending kiss, like right at the end. Um, just just a solid, great kiss, honestly. Um, yeah, they're like in a flower garden. They got their family. Everything's going to be peaceful now. Like it's... Yeah, it's... it's. I am was in no, I'm in no way disappointed by the Twilight series. Um you know we got our big fight at the end i feel like the fight in this one's um a lot better than any of the previous fights i feel like there's a lot more like there's a lot more like um like going on there's like a lot more powers on display it's not just like people punching each other except every once in a while that person is a dog um this one's like <laughs> like i'm so mad that the fake out still got me like <laughs> I'm and I knew about it weeks in advance and it's still it's still duped me. Yeah. It's a good fight partly because it is like a fake out and they're like it is it is also funny cuz again these movies were like considered to be very faithful to the books and 
this and unlike other franchises where like you know Harry Potter will cut stuff out or I can actually just add stuff that wasn't there so this was like a big DVA deviation and I remember my sister who like loves these movies was not like freaked out because I think I had mentioned or like she had seen because I heard I'm like oh yeah I heard they like did something like weird with the ending but then it's but not really and then she's like oh huh and then it and then it helped but she's like yeah no everyone was like just go going nuts because it's just right it's not just a fight like several huge supporting characters just get killed off seemingly yeah it's it's just like yeah they absolutely get eviscerated in this fight um yeah like jasper who kind of sucks we don't don't talk about him much uh the dr colin who's awesome um (laughs) yeah yeah leia the wolf like it's like all these people just like dying and then yeah and then like all like the other ones dying where and where in actuality like it's kind of as Ben was lamenting a few weeks ago that the like, that the one vampire whose ability is she can show you visions of stuff that might happen. He's like, what does she mean, like, might happen? And how does that work? And this is, in fact, how it works, where she was yeah. showing, like, the lead vampire that this would be an epic battle that would end in him being beheaded. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of beheadings in the final battle, too. Like, it's yeah, insanely it's... brutal. Like, yeah, I guess it's like... I guess it's like a way the way you kill a vampire, I guess, is that you rip off their head and then you burn them. I'm not sure if you rip off their head, maybe you could put it back on and that's why they burn them. I assume that's like kind of that's kind of the implication with like the two, I think, Transylvanian characters. I think they did like they do like mention that like I think they like did get defeated and then they had to come back. Um, Yeah, like. It is a truly epic fight. I wish Jacob could be in it more. Um, I think I want to be Team Jacob, you know? I really do. But, like, it's just objectively the worst option, you know? It's just, there's, it's, it's so little contest. Like, it's not even a contest, you know? Yeah, like, it's it's very much just, Jacob's Jacob's kind of hot. Like, it's... That's, yeah. what there, that's what there is like there's yeah and, i don't know if your team jacob and want to write a defense offensive i'm like go for it like just please do i like, am i would be willing to listen i believe that there's rationale out there i don't know if it's good rationale but i think there's rationale you know yeah yeah Look. i was yeah and this is gonna be something i feel like you probably clip us saying this about every twilight movie but like Oh man, I wish there was more Billy Burke, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm glad he's finally being let in on the magic. I'm glad like, I'm glad that that's not something they kept from him forever. It definitely puts, like, my mind at ease, you know, knowing that the, the, the series ended with that. Um, that's, like, the only bit of closure I ever need about, like, a story about secret keeping, you know? Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, like, bring him into, like, that final fight. He, like, fires his gun or something. Like it... Yeah, like, give him a gun. I don't know. Maybe one of, like, the, like, five trillion vampires, like, has some sort of, like, medieval or, like, magic gun that he can shoot, you know? He rides his werewolf <laughs> friend. Like exactly. Like, oh, man. It's, a. Uh... 
It is definitely an epic fight by Twilight standards, for sure. Um, there's a Wilhelm scream in it. Um, I feel like that is, like... I feel like that, like, for better or for worse, you know, whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, this movie is probably one of, like, the farthest things from the first Twilight. Um, like, it has taken, like, a completely, like, different, like, shift, you know? In, in just about, in almost, I think, every aspect except for, like, the romance, which is arguably a big aspect of it. Um, it is, like, a completely different movie. Like, you would never find a Wilhelm scream in the first Twilight. You just wouldn't. It's not that kind of movie, you know? Yeah. You know, the first Twilight is Iron Man 1, and then this is uh, Endgame, you know? They're, they're much different movies with much different goals, you know? And may, did it lose something along the way? Maybe. But I feel like it gained something as well. Friendship. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. I wanted I wanted more Jacob and Edward bromance from this series that I feel like I was... I don't know why I felt like I was going to get that, but I, I wanted it so bad. Yeah, well... That would have been something like nice to see. It's, well, I'll say, yeah, you know these movies were, yeah, good. I think much better than their reputation. Like, I, oh, like yeah. I, I know it's easy to make fun of these things to like watch and go there, but sometimes like I don't know. It's not. It's nice that like these these are like kind of just earnest, like kind of goofy, kind of weird movies that exist, and yeah, we should like, embrace that. Like, yeah, absolutely. Listen, like. There are, like, movies out there that are, like, really bad, um, that just are zero fun. I think this is a series that, you know, ha definitely has its flaws, but one thing that it is not is unfun. This is an incredibly fun series, you know? Um, it's no, you know, Lighthouse starring Robert Pattinson. There's not going to be any, you know, deeper, deep... Uh, you know, imagery or anything like that to like the extents of like a like an art house film, you know, um, and it definitely won't reach sort of like the levels of like kind of dumb popcorn movie, like something like the uh, I want to say the Expendables, but like I don't know if I like those movies, but I don't think those are good movies. <laughs> um, but like, but it's it's got its own little sweet like uniqueness to it, and it's definitely like give these movies franchises a chance, you know. Yeah. Especially if, like, the first movie turned you away. Because I was like that. I didn't really like the first one very much. And I ended up loving the series. And I feel like I kind of want to revisit the first one to see if my opinion has changed, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, I, like, I feel like I now I know what to look for and, like, what to be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have more, like, expectations for what these movies are. Oh. Yeah, I now know that, like, I now know what imprinting is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you now get the value of having Edward's family around all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's weird, though. What I, I don't know if you have much else to say about Twilight, but I definitely have one more thing that I at least want to, like, get off my chest. Is that, like, the first movie is definitely, like, the most normal but vampire baseball is the weirdest, most goofiest thing that happens in the entire series. Um, like, 
all encompassing of course like i don't think it's conceptually weird and it's like shot super fun and it's executed amazingly um i think there are probably conceptually weirder things that happen in the series but that is definitely like no pun intended it was a home run uh execution oh yeah Definitely, I would agree. Like home run execution on that on that front. All right. So, do we think we're done with Twilight here? Or? Yeah. It's a. Uh, I'm. You know. It's sad to see it go, but it's time we move on to you know real cinema, like all of the movies that are coming up on the on the next couple of years. Yeah. Or <laughs> Shrek Forever After. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. Wait, is that the next one on the docket? Yeah, you you sent me the talking order last night. I definitely did, but I didn't save it to my notes. <laughs> I think in my notes I have it literally in the wrong order. I'm I am just oh, looking, I am looking at so our conversation right. from last night right now. Like you're so right. I definitely shuffled them for no reason in my own notes. There now I have them perfect. <laughs> All right, Shrek uh, four ever after. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, so. This was the second time I had watched this film. I've still never seen Shrek the Third, which I hear is like the worst one. It's, it's got, like, listen, you're going to hear a lot of different things from a lot of different pe- people. Merlin will either hit with you or it won't. And that'll, I'll be honest, that'll probably decide what you feel about that movie. Um, I mean, Justin Timberlake is there, so I'm going to assume that stuff is good. But like, yeah, the King Arthur stuff is pretty good. Um, I feel like, well, I guess we'll get into it a little more when we start talking about it, but I feel like Shrek Forever After is, like, it's definitely not the funniest Shrek movie, but it's got, like, the strongest emotional beats, and it's probably, like, my favorite to, ah, that's a, it's probably my second favorite to watch. Yeah, that's the thing, like, I get if the, if the idea of Shrek is, oh yeah, it's like, they're goofy ogre movies with, like, the jokes, and maybe this one's not going to do it for you, but I think on a story level, it's one of their, like, stronger ideas, and kind of the one you can only do when you've done, like, three Shrek movies. Yeah, so. exactly. I feel like it's, it's, um, it's definitely, like, a much more, like, creative story. Like, it is, like, especially in comparison to the third. Um, do you care if I spoil the third in little ways? No, I okay. do not. Yeah, so, like, the main antagonist of the third movie is Prince Charming, who is, like, the side antagonist of the second movie. So, like, that's already, like, not super great already. And, like, it's just, like, it's the entirety, I think, of, like, of um of Shrek the Third. Like, like, the pressures of, like, being, like, royalty. It's... It's got, like, a couple good scenes, but it's just not very, like, good or creative. It's not good, like, conceptually or in execution to the degree of, like, Shrek the Forever After. Okay. That's... Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, since this was your pick, why don't you explain why you decided to pick this movie? (laughs) Um, I... Personally, I watched this, uh, I think I watched it on, like, a DVD I had, um, because I was just kind of, like, bored. This was, like, a really long time ago, um, 
And it kind of blew me away, like, how good Shrek 4 is. Which is, like, a really weird thing. That, like, the fourth Shrek movie is, like... I want to say the most interesting, without a doubt. The most interesting. Um, And I really just wanted to, like... I know you'd already seen it, but, like, I wanted you to see it again. And I wanted to, like, be able to share this, like, weird revelation of, like... Man, Shrek for a Half After is really good. Um, that's sort of the reason I picked it. I also like, um, there's two major kisses in this movie. Um, and like the reason I picked this one is that I really like the first kiss because I feel like it plays, it it serves the story better than the last one. Um, and also like we've had, I think we've had probably, I want to say three out of the four Shrek movies already have like a true love's kiss, you know? I feel like we didn't need another true love's kiss. Yeah, it's yeah, I would definitely agree with you you on there and it is like an interesting thing. Um yeah, for people who have never seen Shrek Forever after, the premise is cuz each Shrek movie and something I appreciate too is kind of just follows him through sort of a different stage of his 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 life as he like increasingly becomes more of an adult where the first one he's like the single loner. Then the second one is about like him navigating like newlyweds, and then the third one, from my understanding, is about him like dealing with the idea of being a dad. And then this one is sort of wasn't I happier when I was just like all alone? And then it becomes a kind of be careful what you wish for. It's a wonderful life type deal with Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, and like Rumpelstiltskin is like a really good villain in this movie um he is probably like the i want to say he's probably like the strongest comedic element of this movie um i really adored like every scene with him yeah he's really good and it's an interesting thing and also unusual for shrek who was kind of the anime film the sort of current trend in oh why get like a cool voice actor to voice your like character your main characters when you can make everyone a big name and kind of make the lightness look like them but but like Rumpelstiltskin like he's played by he's played by like an animator basically and actually one yeah the director of Trolls World Tour Walt Dorn oh yeah uh small side tangent oh man I, I sorry if I said this in a previous episode um, I recently just went to like a YouTube playlist of all the songs from Trolls World Tour. Because, um, uh, Kenny, you're in the same boat that I am. That like, Did you watch Trolls at Camp? Yeah. <laughs> and you and you probably like me, you were like, oh, that was surprisingly good. Ah, man. But like Trolls 2, I don't know if Trolls 2 is that good. I have not seen the movie. I've only seen the like all of the songs in the playlist, which is like, that's like half the movie. Um, and it was kind of, eh, it was kind of mid, honestly. Okay. Trolls is fine. Trolls World Tour, I'm going to say, is a lot better. Um, oh, okay. I, maybe, maybe this, maybe it'll be better with the context. Yeah. The Trolls World Tour is a kids, kids movie that's kind of about how pop music, like, appropriated and stole from every other genre of music. Ooh, I like, I think, yeah, because one of the songs, like, gets into that. There's sort of a, um, yeah. <laughs> it sort of reminded me of the, <laughs> of, like, the, the common song from, from Smallfoot. 
sort of like the the very like serious serious musical number sort of explaining the evils of the world some oh, oh man yeah because oh. the pitches they learn there's other like kinds of trolls and uh a rock troll played by like rachel bloom who's like really named barb is going around trying to basically collect all of these strings that i guess control music somehow maybe and yeah and she's gonna make it all like rock and it's them like traveling around and and like poppy's optimistic mystic as always and she's like well we can like yeah well we can like get it well we can like work this out like we can be friendly we can do whatever and then she kind of finds out that like this thing she's trying to stop is something that the whole reason all the like people are in different tribes in the first place uh this kind of trolls world too or spoilers so sorry for that but it's like that she yeah <laughs> is that like the pop the pop trolls once tried to do the exact same thing like and so like yeah and ah. it's an interesting thing and some people have also argued it's about poptimism which is a trend in music theory that argues where critiquing the idea that all kinds of music are equally valuable um i it's not quite that it's i don't know but like trolls world tour is fun um yeah okay. i'm glad uh, we uh, talked about and <laughs> the director was rumpelstiltskin in this movie exactly in case you forgot why we went on the trolls tangent <laughs> oh my gosh yeah um uh, yeah and he voices the cloud guy in the trolls movies oh i like that guy <laughs> yeah Ah, uh, shrek the, shrek 4 ever after um yeah I, a, I gotta say i'm a big fan of this kinds of stories with the idea of like kind of going back to near the beginning and sort of the what if scenarios of well well what if like well in this case it's yeah well the because the idea is rumpelstiltskin who was mad because he almost got the kingdom but then it's kind of a retcon where they reveal that just as like the king and queen were about to sign the kingdom away shrek rescued fiona so this is what, what if like Shrek hadn't rescued Fiona basically as much. And she had never been like re- rescued. And I think there's a lot of like interesting scenarios there. And it gets more into ogre culture than like the other Shrek movies do. Um, yeah. You get to see like multiple um, non Shrek, non Fiona ogres, which is like really interesting. Yeah. And then Fiona also plays, I mean, well, I haven't seen like Shrek, does she have a big role in like Shrek the Third, where she's active in the action? Like, um, like kind of. Shrek Three has like an entire like I don't know if it's the B or the C story, um, where like all the princesses are like locked up, um, and they all kind of break out. It's like, it's not a bad idea. It, I think it's just really poorly executed. So she's like a little bit in the action. She's also preggers throughout all of Shrek Three, by the way. Um, so she's like not really like able to do as much yeah exactly she, i think yeah um she's not like she doesn't get to be like the forefront of like a lot of the action yeah but like in shrek and in, in shrek 2 i mean she has like she bickers with her parents and stuff but like it's again it's i feel this is the film that really like does the thing where she gets to be a heroic character like she's leading an ogre uprising and, and there's interesting stuff there with the idea of a fiona who no one ever came to rescue her, so she just kind of learned to rescue herself. Like, yeah, and there's like this movie 
Like, more than any other Shrek movie. Except for, I, you know, if someone argued Shrek 2, I don't know if I would be able to fight him on it. This Shrek movie have, probably has the most, like, unironically powerful scenes. Like, when Shrek, like, moves away the drapes and, like, sees, like, all, like, the, like, the, the writing on the wall of, like, all, like, the days that Fiona spent in the tower. Like, Jesus. Like, this movie is, like, it's way... It's way too, like, well-made to be Shrek 4. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. And, yeah, and it has, again, a lot, some, like, fun set pieces. There's, like, witches and ogre fights. And I also feel like the soundtrack for this one is, I mean, people love that Shrek soundtrack, but this is a pretty solid soundtrack, e- even if some disagree that about the Weezer cover at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was Weezer. I remember. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. And it is Weezer. It's not bad. <laughs> or not a bad uh, bad cover. <laughs> yeah, it's... I think it's... Weezer has done better covers. But, like, it's solid for... Yeah. Like, it, it's a solid cover. It's Yeah, it's a, it's a great way to, at least at the time, sort of uh, denouement the series. Um, mm-hmm. and I think Shrek 5 is in the works but it might be a reboot So, yeah it's been in the thing for a while uh, the original plan was they were going to do a 5th Shrek movie and then the story for this one they like so much the guy's like oh this could be kind of our like farewell to the series but ever yeah. since they've been like <laughs> Shrek 5, Shrek 5 and like it still feels like if that happens it'll be a year off or a few years down the road. Well, we are getting Puss in Boots 2 next year, from what I've heard. <laughs> Did you Have you ever seen Puss in Boots? I haven't, but I heard it's, like, really good. It's, it's pretty good. Um, this is, These aren't my words. I'm stealing these words, but I don't remember from who. Um, like, Shrek is sort of like a fairy tale satire. Puss in Boots is just fairy tale. Um, but it's really well done fairy tale, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I'll say I think this Shrek 2 is one where, or Shrek as well, is one where, like, the satire elements are more, like, downplayed yeah. in favor more so. Which I think works in its favor, because I know one of the critiques you might often hear from Shrek is how much of it is just them winking. It's like, ah, ah, Disney will never do this, ah. Yeah, like, exactly. And, like, as much as I love that in, like, the, in the previous movies. And, like, it's really weird, because I feel like, um... One, that's like most of it. And then there's like a couple really strong emotional scenes. Um, and this one has like not, has very little of it and is like really heavily emotional, has like a lot of heavy emotional scenes. And I feel like two strikes that perfect balance. And I think that's why that most people consider that like their favorite one. That I feel like it finds like the perfect mesh of like hilariousness and also having like really good emotional scenes yeah it yeah like again it really is a good good mix and you know there's like funny people in there like i think like craig robinson voices like a ogre who wants to be like a or he's like the cook kind of oh yeah i think his his ogre name is cookie he's he's hilarious he's like one of the funniest characters in the movie yeah, and like Jane Lynch and John Ham are also ogres. <laughs> the John Ham ogre, Brogan. Yeah. 
<laughs> John Hamm, for all the like stuff he gets, is like, oh, he's John Draper from Mad Men. He's like the big dramatic actor. Whenever he gets to do comedy, he's just the goofiest like guy. Like, oh yeah, he's he's in Tag. Um, yeah, he's, he's... Tag stuff. <laughs> yeah. Did I show you the any of the Thirty Rocks he's in? It's I don't know if I've ever seen it. Is he in that as well? Yeah, he's like a love interest of Tina Fey, and initially the idea like his. He's like kind of normal, but then they reveal that his big flaw is he's so handsome. No one has ever corrected him, so he's incredibly stupid and has no idea how the world works. Like <laughs> that sounds hilarious. Oh, yeah. I, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, uh, at one point, like there's a Lacey's episode where he comes and he has like two hooks on his hand, at least one that he lost in a thing, waving from a helicopter to, like, someone he thought he knew in a... He's like, hey, he's like, hey, he looks like a black version of him, and he's, like, in a different country or something, just like that. <laughs> oh, he, he truly does go John Ham, Absolutely. <laughs> I've actually never seen him in Mad Men. Um, I really only know him from, uh, from Black Mirror... And then also a bunch of like skip the dishes commercials. That's like my oh, main uh, exposure to John Hamm. And Tag, of course. <laughs> and Tag, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I guess we should probably go a little more in depth on the on the kiss. Um, oh right, I guess we didn't really talk about yeah. that. So the kiss that we're referring to is the one in the middle where like um, Shrek and Fiona have escaped the 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 Piper. Um, and so, like, he sort of, like, is explains to her, like, kind of what's happening uh, and that they need to kiss. And then, like, the kiss starts and it starts to, like, rotate around them. It's beautiful. And it starts playing that, like, that sort of, I think it's like the Shrek theme. Like, it's the song. It's like the tune that always plays during all the big kisses. And then, yeah. like, right at the end. Oh, it's so, I made sure to make a note of it because it was so, like, amazing that, like, the last like note of that of that song just sours and like it just turns into just this like ominous horrible thing as shrek looks at fiona and fiona is just it's very clear that she's not in love with shrek um yeah because basically the idea is he has made this deal with rumpelstiltskin that he would trade a day he couldn't even remember aka the day he was born in exchange for like a day of like freedom and now he's going to disappear forever at the end of this day, and the only way to break the deal is a true love's kiss. But, like, yeah, it's... Even though Fiona is his true love, like, he isn't like he isn't hers yet. It's, yeah, oh, it's so... It's... Oh, it's, like, the most powerful, I think, this series gets. Like, it is amazing. And, the, and the, there also is a kiss at the end, but, like... If you've seen the ending kiss of Shrek 1 or Shrek 2, you've seen the ending kiss of, of Shrek Forever After. Um, it's nice, yeah. but it's not. there's nothing new about it, and it's definitely not like... If I had to pick a kiss that better represented this movie, it would be the one that, that we decided on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that, too. And I think it's it's also an interesting kiss to do, because, yeah, like you... It is one where, like, it should be, like, romantic, but, like, it, it's more complex, I think, than some of the kisses we cover here. Um, yeah, exactly. There's a lot more a lot more depth to this kiss, you know? Yeah, despite, again, being, like, an animated kiss, which is not usually our forte, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not if I can help it. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, oh, we brushed over this, but I, I forgot. The Piper is also just a great concept of being, like, just a bounty hunter who never speaks and just does his, like, flute thing. Well, so, like, I can't... This is, like... I guess it was my movie, so maybe I should know this. Like, is he supposed to kind of look like the guy from No Country for Old Men? Did you get those vibes when you looked at him? Um, I didn't get those vibes, but it wouldn't surprise me. He just the like, way his like the way his face is and the way his hair is. He, maybe it's supposed to be something else, and maybe it's just supposed to look funny. Um, but yeah, no, he's just like he reminds me of um of Anton from from No Country for Old Men. Oh yeah, I can get that. Um, another thing about Trek Forever After, and maybe part of the reason we like this film so much, is it's directed by the same guy who directed Sky High, Mike Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. You know, Rumpelstiltskin does remind me of, I can't remember if his name is Patches or Stitches from Sky High. Um, I believe it's Stitches. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. He also he also directed Trolls One and the Lego Movie Two, the second part, uh, a film I like a lot more than most people. But it's... I need I still need to give Lego Movie Two a watch because I really like the first one. It's an interesting thing where it's a Chris Pratt movie that is like skeptical and critical of his action hero persona compared to like the goofy guy he started out as. Like it's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it was, like, part of, like, a trend of animated films that wound up being about toxic masculinity. But, like, <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, I, um... I don't have much else to say about Shrek Forever After. Um, it's a great movie. Uh, my friend Ian didn't like it at all. Um, he also didn't like the beginning of Across the Universe. Um, but we'll, I guess we'll get to that when we get to it. The beginning is such a, like, striking note to start on, though. Uh, I'm trying to think. The beginning, beginning. Well, you know what? We'll get to Across the Universe when we get to Across the Universe. <laughs> right, but first we'll, we have to talk about, well, a couple things, but next up is Witness. <laughs> yeah. I, I, man, I know I'm not going to watch, you know, more movies because I'm already on, like, a five movie a week, you know? uh runabout but like i don't know i i it was a really nice palate cleanser as much as i love movies like uh um like the vow and like valentine's day and like um and movies like uh I'm trying to think more things in that vein i guess even enchanted um i like uh, old movies just have a certain like um just like vibe for lack of a better word to them that like i really do miss and i really appreciated watching this one yeah it's witness is a film um i guess i can go in well earlier yeah earlier this year like i i had watched it for on uh the other like or the main movie podcast i listened to blank check had done a march madness tournament and Peter Weir, the director of Witness, was, like, kind of one of the candidates, and I was watching a movie for every director who got eliminated, and he got kind of surprisingly eliminated early on, and I had p- picked this one. Um, He also directed The Truman Show and Dead Poet Society, I, w- 
Deposited, yeah, I'm actually not sure that's him. No, I think that's him. But, like, basically some other films. Films by The Truman Show is one of my favorites. And um, I'm a big fan of, like, Harrison Ford, like, his kind of 80s and 90s run. Like, The Fugitive is a film I love a lot. So I'm like, yeah, Harrison Ford, The Amish. Like, yeah, this, could, this sounds fun. And it just kind of blew me away, sort of. And, like, just just kind of this how the film is is done and um as, as much as like this is a kissing podcast i'm gonna say i will ar- i'm also gonna argue that and maybe this is going to like have derail my case for this film but i think the most romantic scene in this film is not like a kiss at all it's kind of when they're in the barn yeah. and he's working with the car and the radio comes on that's when i thought the kiss was gonna happen it's such oh it is the it is stunning it is the, like, if if the kiss happened at that scene this movie would have this movie would have sweeped the kiss list 100 percent um yeah I, I like like the eventual kiss that happens is like good well don't get yeah, me wrong i like it's, it's good uh, the music choice is a bit weird um, I think in my notes, I think I have my notes like word for word. It's like kind of weird music, unique. Not sure what Amish music would sound like anyway. I guess um, <laughs> it just it has like a it sounds like kind of weird like horror music near the end too. But the kiss itself is really good. Yeah, and but like that scene and again for people who haven't seen Witness, the idea is Harrison Ford is a detective and the yeah basically become kind of becomes charged with taking care of this yeah this young Amish boy and his recently widowed mother who had traveled into the city for uh whatever reason they had had to like go uh, I think they were visiting her yeah sister or something oh yeah waiting for like another train but Basically, they go into Philadelphia, and the son witnesses, like, a murder? And then it turns out that the murderers were, yeah, was another, was, like, another police officer, and also in association with, like, the the captain? And the only way that Harrison Ford can kind of keep him safe is by going to their community with them. So it's kind yeah. of about him yeah, adjusting to, like, the Amish life and being an outsider while he and the mother slowly just kind of fall in love. Even, and it's a film where like, and I'm glad that it ends with the romance doesn't work out. Cause like they really do build up a thing where like you understand why he can't give up his life and she can't give up hers. But like, yeah. you're still glad that like they met and connected. Yeah. You're, you're glad they had what they had, you know, by the end. It's really, really nice. It's it's very like sweet movie. Um, I guess one like small thing that I think caught me off guard each time it happened is that like whenever Harrison Ford was like in a gunfight, he like just he started screaming at the other guy, like really like really uh like I'll start word like sporadically, and it was just really funny, and that was just like a little thing that I like I made note of. Um, and I don't know, it gave it, it gave like, um, as funny as it was, it was also like, it it gave like a very unique characterization to this character that I feel like a lot of like sort of gruff and tough, um, like eighties actiony sort of hard, you know, um, you know, brooding cop detectives really didn't have. 
Yeah, it's... Yeah, like, he's definitely, like... He doesn't feel like your generic guy. Like, there's a personality to him. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then in that card scene I had earlier mentioned, which basically... Oh, yeah. For part of the thing thing that... Why he has to, like, say around is... Or... Because her father-in-law from, like, her husband does not really trust him, but is... Co- yeah. But he was... Yeah, but he was injured getting them out of there. And, like, his car is, like, damaged and stuff. So it's kind of... He has to, like, stay there while he's being nursed back to health and 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 doing this stuff. But at one point, he's working on his car, and she come, comes in, and the song... I believe it's a... I believe it's a cover of, like, the original one, but basically the song What a Wonderful World It Would Be comes on, and he starts, like, kind of drumming it along, and he's singing a bit, and then he pulls her into dancing, and, of course, she has no idea what any of this is or, what like, what he's doing, but, like, it's a song that eventually gets to a point where it's like, and you know that I love you, and you know if you want me to, what? And just, like, all this stuff that, that like, there's a certain point where, like, there's a sudden energy shift and they kind of realize like you become very aware of like the feelings in that situation more than like any other point in that movie. And it's just incredibly romantic and sweet. Like it's. Yeah. I absolutely adored it. Like, yeah. And like another thing about this movie is that it's just like, it's just very interesting and intriguing. Like it's a very neat concept. Like I really, really liked it. Um, like it's, it's, I feel like, uh, um, (laughs) to be like, I guess a little tangential, um, I watched the like original, original, uh, Captain America movie. And like, I don't think you can get more generic than that in terms of like an action movie, um, in terms of like setup and like payoff and everything. Um, and I feel like this movie is almost like the polar opposite of that, um, where, like, everything about it is just, like, it's so, like, novel and interesting. Yeah, like, even, like, the when it does become an action movie, kind of, again, at the end, it's stuff where one of the big set pieces is, is he, like, suffer is, like, he, tra- he traps someone into, like, a corn silo and suffocates him under, like, corn, which is just really striking. Yeah, it's, it's such a scary scene. Um. Yeah. <laughs> and... The, and then ultimately the day has won for the thing of the entire Amish community comes out to shame the like lead murderer yeah. by like just looking at him and he's like, you're going to have to kill all of that. Like it's, it's such a, uh, what a, what a weird climax. Uh... Yeah. And, yeah. And the, the stuff, the kid is really good. Like his relationship with the kid is like great. Um, yeah, and, like, it's... Yeah, I think the kid does a pretty good job. It's always hard to, like, judge kid actors. Um, I feel like kid actors get a little too much flack, but that's because I feel like most people, like, don't spend time with kids and realize that, like, oh, yeah, sometimes they just do act like that. Um, and I think this kid did, like, a pretty good job. Yeah, like, yeah, Lu- Lucas Haas, like, his, he's good in, like, his scene, scene and, like, he kind of... You know, this kid is dealing all right with losing his dad, and then with, like, seeing this, like, terrible thing, and then in the end he's able to, like, heroically kind of ring the bell that alerts everyone to, like, what's going on, and it's... Yeah. yeah. 
No, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. And then, and even like the kind of more antagonistic characters, is of course there's like Eli, and then also Daniel, who was like planning on courting her and stuff. Then it's the thing where like the not black and white, like they both kind of grow to respect him, and he also respects them by the end of it. Like it's. Like, he's, like, definitely giving Daniel his blessing as they're going off, even, yeah, even though, you know, he loves, like, Rachel, but, like, the... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Also, the scene where they just, at the end, where they just look at each other wordlessly is also, like, really good. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think... Apparently there was originally going to be dialogue for that, and then they're like, no, wait, that ruins (laughs) it. Like, it's better if they just... That's awesome. Yeah. Oh man, and I guess uh, I guess I guess we really didn't uh, like the kiss. Is I think it's like um, uh, Kelly McGillis's character like sends the kid to bed, and then like Harrison Ford is like out in the fields, um, just like by like a tree, and they just sort of like run at each other and then kiss, and this is like after the car scene. Um, and it's like it's like really like uh it's really really nice um i commented earlier about the music but i honestly don't know what kind of music would be there and also like that's just kind of what like music and movies sounded like back then sometimes (laughs) i'm like beginning to realize um uh and like i don't like i'm trying to think of like what it what it might have felt like with like maybe like a big orchestral thing but like it's very strange because like their worlds are so like weird and this relationship is so abstract um like like with that that like i don't know what else they could have put honestly the true romance song from the (laughs) (laughs) true romance song sounds like menu music to a donkey kong game like (laughs) it does it's not bad it's just that's what it sounds like (laughs) oh man but but yeah, I think, like, again, the kiss is good, especially because it kind of comes from a thing, because after that car scene, you have no idea if they actually are going to act on their feelings, because, as the film makes very clear, like, it's not like they can just hook up. Like, when they do, like, kiss and sleep together, there's, like, a weight to that, that I think the... Yeah, I, I think so, too. And yeah, it is. So anyway, you say, oh yeah, it's nice to get that kind of palate cleanser, but... It's kind of funny because I do think this would have gotten like a best kiss nom if the MTV awards had been going on in like the eighties because it's kind of in line with some of the, like the adult dramas that we covered at oh, the yeah. beginning of the show's run. This like, this feels right at home. Like if this came out alongside like My Girl, I wouldn't have batted an eye. Like this feels right at home with like those earlier movies that we watched all those millennia ago <laughs> before we watched four Twilight movies. And half the Harry Potters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was less than half, but... <laughs> well, I was like, I guess I watched half of them because I, I did my little in-between homework. But yeah, and, like, look, there's... We've ever played good films, and there's still, like, good stuff to come, but yeah, it is something where you're like, yeah, it's... man, I wish we could be doing more stuff like this. Yeah, exactly. It is, it is nice, and, like, I get a huge benefit from being someone that, like, even the most popular movies... I just didn't watch because I don't really watch movies. So I still get to experience things for like a new with new eyes. But like, I definitely understand that there's like, there's a bit of like back in the day, like crazy stuff could get nominated. And then it starts to get to the point where it's like the, 
the nominations become a little more like predictable you know i'll name drop it almost every episode like where you're not going to get another how to make an american quilt you know (laughs) in a year where species won i'll say 2013 and 2014 are them trying it does look like they're often trying to fight against that yeah which is how we're gonna wind up talking about ted on this (laughs) podcast and or maybe Ted's like a predictable one, but like Moonrise Kingdom. That's yeah. I think Ted's like kind of a predictable one. I I don't know if you remember. Like I feel like the the energy when Ted came out was like this is like this is big. Like it's it's like it's Family Guy, but he's a teddy bear. Like I think there was a lot of electricity around when that came out. Honestly, yeah. Maybe Ted just looks weird in a year that also has per, like. Yeah. Perks of being a wallflower and Django Unchained. <laughs> it definitely stands out. I'll give it that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah, I don't have much else to say about when this other than like the law like the the line at the end when like he's leaving and then you know, the dad wishes him well, he's like, You be careful out there amongst them English just like makes me like want to cry where i'm like oh yeah it's 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 sweet it's very very sweet um yeah ian did like the ending of this he only got to watch the last 30 minutes so um yeah Yeah. i don't know i i was talking with you a bit last night um but like yeah i think i I did watch literally all of these last night um i i procrastinated really bad (laughs) um uh it's because like i really I didn't want to leave any of these movies, like, a week before we recorded. I really wanted all of these movies to be fresh in my mind. Because, like, I knew you were going to pick really good ones. Um, and, like, I was like, I, it was so hard for me to pick, like, oh, yeah, what's the first thing I'm going to watch? Um, to the point where I just watched them all in a row, one after the other. Yeah, but that's, like, like I, I get that. Yeah, I, I, I had a great time. And, like, um... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, in in that case, I think we can move on to our second animated pick of the evening. Uh, this one a bit shorter. The Hell of a Boss episode. Yeah. Um, I guess, what did you think of it? I think you've only seen two other episodes, maybe even one other episode. Um, yeah, I've seen two. I've seen the one with... What's his name? Who shows up at the end of this one? Yeah, that's uh, that's Stolis, played by Stolis. Br- yeah, played yeah. by Bryce uh, Pinkham, one yeah. of the Kiss nominees. I've seen the one where he's taking his like daughter Barrett Wilbur Weed to the carnival. <laughs> yeah, the and there's stuff going on. And I've seen the like one with like the cannibal family. Oh yeah, that that and... you've seen the first two episodes. Yeah, and then I have not I have not watched the one since um. Not, not because I'm like against the sh- the show or anything. Yeah, you know, it's like, and I'm sure you can go into a lot of like, the this kind of like animation and the kind of like fan bases yeah. uh, around it and stuff. As someone who like just does not watch a lot of YouTube stuff in general, and is yeah. So when you pick this one, I'm like, oh yeah, hey, it's another chance for me to like go through and watch a kiss. Though definitely towards the end, I'm like, wait. Is there a kiss? Did Ben trick me and it's actually another episode? Because <laughs> no, Stolas doesn't even show up until like the last three minutes. Like it's... 
<laughs> yeah, I no, I I made sure that there was a kiss in this one. Yeah, um, like the bulk of the episode is about the relationship between like Blitzo and then one of his like employees, Moxie. Like, yeah, it's... voiced by Invader Zim. Um, oh wow! Yeah, uh, Richard Horvitz. Um, yeah, so like I guess for a little bit of context, um, this show is like a uh, independently funded sort of YouTube animated series that I think you can attest to has like really good animation. Like it does. It looks like something you would see on TV, 100%. Yeah, it's, it's like, a very distinct style, and, like, I think it's a style that I, I know I've definitely, like, in my limited experience talking to people about it, or some people are like, don't, don't like how, oh, it's all the pointy teeth and, like, the stuff like that, but, like, it, yeah, but I'll say it's, like, yeah, it's high-quality animation, like, very high-quality production values, like, Far Cry from the, like, web webisodes of old, web video series of old. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so, like... Like, I love Homestar Runner, but this is, like, significantly higher quality. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, but, like, the um, like the animation department. And, like, I think this episode also did, like... I think it does it does a few things with, like, its animation style at a certain point during, like, uh, certain segments of it, which I really enjoyed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll say, and this is not like an insult to the show, but they're definitely a big Tumblr energy from Oh, this. yeah, 100%. I feel like that's like, I feel like if you said that to like any of the creators, I don't feel like they would take offense. I feel like that's like, I feel like that's very in line with what they're trying to do. Um, yeah, the the show in question that we're talking about, though, um, is Hello Boss, which is like sort of a, it's like a, it's like a workplace comedy, uh, sort of, that takes place in hell. Um, I've recommended it, I think, in one of the episodes. Um, with this episode, I think I recommend it, too. Um, and it's just this sort of, like, really well-animated, like, um, like cartoonish, like, really over-the-top um, comedy sort of surrounding these characters. Like, every episode's pretty self-contained, including this one. Uh, I think there's, like, little things about this episode, but I feel like it's very watchable on its own. Yeah, I was that was actually one of the questions I had. These his the premise of this episode is that Blitzo and Moxie, like both kind of the bosses organization and one of like his like employees get captured by these two like humans who seem to to work in like this organization and are kind of like conspiracy theorists and no one really takes seriously cuz if you go demons are real then most people are going to be like, yeah, yeah, whatever, buddy. Like, it's... So, have those, like, has that kind of, like, come up Uh, before that there's, like, this organization? No, this this organization gets introduced in this episode. Um, Yeah, yeah, like, this, I think, um, I think the, I think, like, the showrunners have sort of said, like, hey, like, the next, like, I think, like, after episode, or after episode four, they're like, hey, like, the next are, like, the big four that all sort of, like, congeal into like the final episodes like this is just kind of set up but like i think almost everything you see in this episode is like um i think except for uh blitzo's like hallucinations um some of those are like returning characters but like everything else is like pretty like um new to this episode okay yeah that's yeah that's what i was curious is i'm like huh have these characters popped up before this like these two people oh so but they are like new though it does feel like they'll play into whatever role the future of this 
series has. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, yeah, the showrunners have been like very open about like, yeah, they got like a plan where things are going. Um, a hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah, like you were saying, like sort of like the premise of this one is that like, yeah, they get captured by like these humans, um, and they're sort of like interrogated. Um, while this is happening, the two other sort of um, members of like the main four, uh, Luna and Millie, like kind of go to rescue them. And this, um, there's sort of like two sort of big like set pieces in this episode. One is sort of like a dual hallucination of both uh, Blitzo and Moxie. And then there's also like this giant um, like bombastic fight right at the end. Yeah, let's. It's one where when the fight came, I'm like, okay, I guess this is like what you kind of come to the show for. But like, if it if they had just like went for something different different and the like made the big set piece just the hallucinations i think i'd have been fine with that like the... yeah this this um this show definitely um it'll either work for it or against it um in that like it it, it really like um wants to have like a really strong emotional core but it also wants to be like a very over-the-top comedy and like i would under i would totally get if that like clashed for some people 100 percent um yeah Definitely feels like it's trying to follow in the footsteps of your, like, Adventure Time, Steven Universe, like, Bojack Horseman type shows, where it's, like, just goofy silliness yeah. and then, like, strong, like, emotion interiority. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, 100%. And then, like, sort of the episode sort of, um, sort of finishes with, like, a, a sort of final confrontation where, like, they've sort of cornered, they're all out of ammo, and then, um... Stolas sort of uh, shows up in like a very, very like, uh, like powerful like demon form and sort of scares off the two, uh, the two sort of um, agents from the beginning, um, and like uh, is able like to take them home. Um, but uh, no, okay, yeah. and, and clarify me, Stolas is, and I think this has come up in the ones I've seen. He's a prince. He's like he's like one of like the overlords of hell. There's like there's like a lot of lore in this show, um, that like is very much like I don't think there's like a lot of the episodes aren't dedicated to it, but it is there. Um, but like yeah, he is. Um, I think he is like a kind of uh, a kind of prince, um, and him and um, Blitzo are in like a sort of like relationship this they go into it a little bit more in the previous episode but like it's like blitzo is like kind of embarrassed and like tells people oh no this is like it's purely transactional so i can get the book but like there's clearly something more there um and then right before the episode ends they share like a very like like horny hot and bothered kiss um with two characters that like don't have like lips um, cause like one is based off an owl and the other is like, I think based off like some kind of lizard. <laughs> um, but I think that the animation team makes it work. Yeah. It's definitely a kiss that I'm sure inspired a lot of fan art and it's another thing I get. Like it's, it's definitely a show where even, even when like they're not making double hunch hunters or whatever, or you're like, Oh yeah, this is a horny show. Like it's yeah. There's even a disclaimer at the beginning that uh, tells you that um, going in. So like yeah. it's very much an intended thing. Yeah. So I 
for a podcast about kissing, we don't actually get into like horniness that much. No, we don't. Um, yeah. It's partly because of the stuff we cover, but like <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's like I um, and that's like that's like uh, like the reason I I picked this episode is like it's it's sevenfold really. It's like I really want uh to share more episodes of this with other people, including one of my bestest friends. Is um, I want to get like animation reps, and like I also like want to get like a very like like passionate sort of sexy kiss in there every once in a while because i feel like this kiss this kiss list is almost always dominated by like a very romantic one like a like one you could show at sunday school you know yeah it's like it's definitely interesting the amount of kisses we get where trying to think if we've even had like actually just like a classically like you know hot kiss since like cruel intentions like the (laughs) i'm sure we've had oh yeah yeah it's and plus it's also really hard to disentangle that because sometimes those work hand in hand you know sometimes a very romantic kiss like transitions into a steamy scene but maybe the kiss wasn't all that steamy you know i feel like that happens Mm -hmm. a majority of the time yeah I'd, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, I don't have much else to say. I I adore the hell out of this show. Um, hey, I I super enjoy it. I've already recommended it. Um, watch like the first episode. Um, give it a chance, you know. Uh, I don't think it's like it's not like this is like probably like the least underground thing ever. Um, it's like it's it's insanely popular like it gets it gets more than enough support i just really like it <laughs> yeah it's got like a solid fan base out there um and but hey there's always room for more um and it's funny because like there's a decent chance it's gonna just wind up at the like bottom of my rankings not to give a spo- spoilers like not because it was bad but just because like i wound up liking shrek 4 a lot oh, yeah. more than i thought no, I, I did i i actually totally agree honestly because like i love this show but, like, the recommendations you gave this week were just, I didn't know we were swinging so high. Like, this is insane. Yeah, I went for my heavy hitters. Yeah. Like, you're like, pick two movies. And I'm like, <laughs> what are films I love? Which is a good segue into Across the Universe. Yeah, I loved Across the Universe. Um, I think me and you have mixed feelings about, like, the beginning scene. Also, disclaimer, I don't think this is new to anybody. Um, I didn't know literally anything going into this movie, so I didn't know this was like a Beatles um, jukebox musical. I also don't know that many Beatles songs, so I didn't catch on for a while. Um, I just sort of, like, if someone were to sit me down and they would have told me, like, this is a musical full of original music, I don't know at which song I would realize they were lying um i want to say it was like the um oh who's the one character um it's like when she's looking at the cheerleader um yeah prudence Prudence, yeah Um, for i want to hold your hand okay that's when i knew it was a beatles jukebox opera every song before i had no idea i assumed it was a regular musical um, I mean, to be fair, I want to hold your hand is the first of their big hits that like gets played. Yeah, like I'm not in my recollection of this. Yeah, I'm not a huge um, Beatles head. 
Um, but I love. I mean, there's movie. a bit of Helter Skelter, which maybe you could have picked up on. I didn't. Like, I honestly didn't. A hundred percent. Even when they played it again, like I do not recognize that as a Beatles song. Um, I think I probably listened to. Um, what's that Beatles song? Is it just called Yes No? Um, is that a Beatles song? Yes No. Yes No. Am I crazy? One second. How does it go? You say yes. I say no. Yeah, that's goodbye. Hello, hello, goodbye. I had, I was close. I had it almost. Um, I had a feeling that's what you were talking about, but I'm like, could that possibly be it? um, I think I've probably listened to like the Looney Tunes version of that song more than I've listened to like the Beatles throughout my childhood. Um, On like, I I don't know what, it might've been on like the Looney Tunes back in action, like CD. Yeah, so this movie, and and I'm glad you liked it so much, because I know there's definitely people who, like, don't get into this film as much, or are like, well, and I mean, I'm also someone who, I knew it was a Beatles film when I watched it, um, partly because I saw, like, the marketing, like, this film's kind of fallen a bit under the radar the, like, past several years there, but, like, I definitely remember seeing the trailer, and I'm sure it had, like, some you know, some, like, one of their big songs is, like, inspired by, like, the the Beatles. I'm like, huh, this looks cool. And um, I watched it for the first time. Uh, my, before I kind of worked at, like, our camp, when I worked at a different camp, my kind of first summer on, I wasn't even really staff. I was, like, a leader in training. And it was after, like, our first kind of week, and everyone was kind of loopy. And, like, so I had like a portable DVD player and this film and it was one in the morning and we kind of watched it in our camp's kind of like candy shop, the like sort of tuck shop thing on like a couch and it was one o'clock and we were just fried and we were like, what is this? Like it's like, <laughs> it's, it, it's one of the films I crab with like having me show. I'm like, movies can be like this where there's just big emotions and the plot of the movie is just the 60s happen like it's <laughs> yeah. like a lot of this movie yeah it's just like the world changing around these characters like the actual like character to character conflict is like really i don't want to say simple but like it's very like it takes such a backseat to like the world that's happening around them yeah like it's like, it, it's definitely something. It's, like, these people who are, like, want to be carefree and free and, and being kind of in a world that's increasingly, like, becoming hostile of that and the ways that they, like, resist and the way those resistances kind of, like, clash against each other. And, yeah, it's... But, but like, it's a film... Uh, yeah. Like, I love it a lot. Like, visually, there's just so many sequences that I think about all the time, and again, yeah, like, I can't judge how it is this, like, like, I know people, like, love the Beatles, like, I, Beatles are good songs, uh, this, I, I was probably where you were at, Ben, where I didn't know the Beatles as well, so a lot of, like, their songs I actually heard for the first time through this movie, and did you catch, because every character in this like, every character in this film is kind of, like, all the, like, main ones and supportings 
are typically like references to like Beatles songs. If the first character or one of the first characters you meet, if his name wasn't Jude, I don't think I would have gotten it. But that one was just so blatant that like the rest of them kind of had to fall into place. But like if you were to have started with like Prudence, I would not have gotten it um, until way later on. And I don't even know if I would have gotten the Jude thing if it hadn't been for that joke in yesterday where it's like Ed Sheeran's like, what about Hey Dude? Because I don't actually think I've listened to Jude outside of this movie. <laughs> yeah, and and like Jude and, Pr- Jude and Prudence are the ones who, I guess Lucy in the Sky of Diamonds is kind of over like the credits, but they're the only ones who get their namesake songs in the film and then Ma- Maxwell, like, is from, or Max yeah. is, like, the song Maxwell Silver Hammer, which is a Beatles song about someone who, like, kill kills someone with, like, a hammer, which, like, their landlord makes a joke about. She's like, could have killed someone with a hammer for all I know. And then... Yeah, and he's also, um, Alistair in the Twilight uh, Breaking Dawn Part 2 as well, uh, Joe Anderson. Oh, yeah, Joe <laughs> Anderson doing some double, double duty there, um... <laughs> Yeah. So, sorry, when you said you're mixed on, like, the beginning sequence? Like um, that. I just, I don't know what it is. I just didn't, I, it was just, like, I didn't really know where it was going. And it's just, I don't know, The it's not, like, bad. But it's definitely, if I wasn't doing this podcast, I don't know if I would finish it. Because, um, like, the beginning of this movie... I gotta, I gotta think about this for a second because I feel like um, La La Land has kind of um, ruined my expectation um, for if you start with like a big musical number are there going to be other big musical numbers? Which in La La Land's case is no. So, I, so this movie kind of starting on a high note I didn't know the rest of the movie was going to be like that as well. And then there was, like, I think there was, like, a pretty big gap between, like, the first sort of spectacle. And then, like, um, I'm trying to think what, like, the next, like, highest of high moments for me when this this was. Um, Okay, so you're talking about the initial, like, hold me tight, it won't be long stuff. Yeah, that stuff. Like, I I was, my, because I knew nothing about this movie going in. My impression that... But do you like him on the beach in the kind of flash oh, forward? I do really like that. That's really intriguing. I think it's just like the beginning bit with like his father was just a little dry. And I thought that was going to be like a majority of the movie. Um, it doesn't last very long. But that's what I... When I say the beginning, I think that's what I'm mainly referring to. Is just like um, the beginning bit with his dad. And then like his first couple interactions with Max like aren't as strong. Um, but other than that, like this, when this movie picks up, it takes off. Like, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, again, for anyone who's never seen this film, and like, it's, yeah. There's not much of a story to say, but yeah, it's about this guy named Jude from England, who, he goes to America to meet his actual father, who, like, is not really receptive towards him, so then he falls in with this like, kind of college dropout Max, who's, yeah, and who has a younger sister who's graduating high school, and her boyfriend is going off to fight in Vietnam, and then dies, and then all of them kind of move to New York together, 
where they fall in with kind of these other other characters and yeah, including Prudence, who's like a again another basically high school student, but like a closeted character who kind of just flees flees to get a better life, and then Sadie, who's this up and coming mu yeah, musician there and sort of their landlady, and then oh, this is. Trying to remember the name of the other guy who Which one? Um there's like the landlady. Are you talking about like the the is he a guitar a guitarist or is he being playing bass? Oh yeah, Jojo, Jojo. Yeah, that, oh yeah, that guy's off. Him and um him and Sadie, uh Martin Luther McCoy and um Dana Fox, uh however it's pronounced. Um they're uh, they, aside from like I want to say maybe like the main three. Oh, they're ama- they're like my favorite characters in the whole movie. Um, yeah, like their their dynamic is oh, it's amazing. And then they're like their voices and oh, it's fan flipping tastic. Yeah, JoJo's great, and it's also yeah. a thing where and Dana Fox. Oh yeah, if you hadn't gone by Dear Prudence, you would have figured it out <laughs> when they got to Let It Be. Yeah, right? oh yeah, by, by <laughs> Let It Be. Well, because like my thing is that like oh, okay, it's a jukebox musical. But I didn't know it was a Beatles jukebox musical. I just thought it had a... Because, like, these, both of these songs, this and Moulin Rouge, both have All You Need Is Love in them. Um, at least they both say that. Um, <laughs> but, like, I eventually did catch on. Um, especially by Strawberry Fields. That's a little later on. But, like... Um, it, I, I, like... I'm trying to think the level at which I got it, I think is at the level at which if I didn't check the Wikipedia page and someone like told me like, no, it's just a regular jukebox musical or the random songs. I would totally believe them. <laughs> yeah. It's a Cinderella situation. You know? <laughs> exactly. If someone would have told me this is just like, Oh, it's just like Moulin Rouge. They just, they grab songs from everywhere. I would believe them. And then I would be like, Oh man, they really picked like a lot of Beatles songs. That's really weird. <laughs> yeah. But then it's interesting. Cause again, the film's really just Jude and Lucy's relationship develops and Max gets drafted eventually. And his big plan to like, where they're like works cause he's not flat footed or whatever. Like the, the, the thing where he tells them all this stuff, and the guy's like, well, well, at least you're not flat-footed, it's, like, a really good bit. Like, just dark humor thing. Like, all the stuff to get out of, try and get out of, like, the army. Oh, yeah. Also, the I Want You sequence. Is so good. That is my favorite in the entire movie. Um, 100%. And I, I oh, it was, that, like, if you're not, if you're gonna watch anything from this podcast... Go watch like a YouTube video of like that scene alone. It is, it they'll knock your socks off, you know. Yeah, across the universe has a lot of like, and I'll I'll get in into it. The director Julie Taymor, um, she she has like a very distinct visual style. One of the things she's known for is she was rather infamously the person who, well, oh. Or, I mean, famously, she did the Lion King stage musical with all those elaborate stuff. Infamously, she also did the Spider-Man stage musical, Turn Off the Dark. Oh, no. Which is just a famous disaster. <laughs> but, like, 
But she has, like, very strong visual sensibilities, and a lot of the songs, like, have... Like, in this case, this is, like, Ma- Max literally is just, like, tripping, because the stuff he took before is physical. And it's, like, a visual idea of, like, all the military men are, like, puppet marionette men, and there's, like, a big, like, CGI Uncle Sam who's just like, I want you. Oh, it's so good. I want you so bad. It's so good. And, like, I don't know why it is, but, like, in this movie, the choreography is at its best when it has anything to do with, like, Max and, like, the military. Like, the scene later on when he's, like, in the hospital bed, like, that and the I want you, like, absolutely God. the best um, choreography in the entire movie are in those two scenes. Yeah, Happiness is a Warm Gun, one of my favorite Beatles songs, because, like, partly because I think all the time about that, like, sequence there where, yeah, after he gets, like, kind of injured and has brain damage and is just kind of recovering in the hospital and it becomes a thing about, like, basically it's about morphine or whatever, and Salma Hayek, our old pal, is there, like, in as a nurse then there's several of her yeah. oh it's so uh this movie is like so fun to watch um i think it is probably at its most visual interesting during like the middle chunk and it's sort of it's sort of tame at the beginning and then it it i don't want to say it tap it tappers out near the end because like it's still really it's still really a good movie near the end but like visually it gets a little more toned down by the end of it um, and I yeah I, after yeah, yeah there's definitely a point after the middle in a sequence that involves Bono and Eddie <laughs> Izzard yeah during the um oh what's it called it's like Mr. Kite or um yeah uh, Miss, Mr. Kite like yeah. after because I guess or, but yeah it's initially there's a point where they go to see this guy Dr. Robert who is played by Bono who sings I am the walrus like <laughs> and it's just the novelty of you two singing the Beatles. <laughs> but then they like wind up on things like, we're all going to California. And we're like, oh, we need to get back to New York. And then they just abandon them. And then they like go into like a circus where there's a point where like Prudence has left the group because like she, yeah, she has like a crush on Sadie and it's not really reciprocated. And they're like supportive, but also she just needs to leave. And then they find her again and she's in like a better spot, but she's at this like circus. And then Eddie Izzard, they have like a really striking thing as Mr. Kite. Oh no, it's, it's just I think it's Mr. Sequence. Cape. I think it's Mr. Cape. I'm pretty sure. Near certain. The song is called For the Benefit of Mr. Kite. Oh, so. maybe my, oh, my notes are wrong then. I should use Wikipedia. I don't know why I was using my notes. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, no, it's this like really stretching, this like really like, um, uh, I guess it's Mr. Kite. Um, is that and that is where the is that where the kiss happens? Uh, yeah, in the sequence after that is when I'm saying. In, uh, oh, sorry, I want to correct because I he's like, they they suffer Eddie is there because I remember like she was gender fluid, but I guess she actually prefers she and her pronouns. So, apologies for that quick like in the, the thing, but like, she she has a very striking performance. But yeah, then afterwards they go, essentially buy a a pool and they're all lying and it's kind of like. The end of the peaceful times, and there's a few kisses in this movie I considered between like the one that happens in the sequence, and then the the like one where Lucy and like Jude actually start dating with this song. If I fell, which is also really good, but 
it is this sequence where they are just lying there and they are singing because, which is that kind of one where one that's like very mellow and has the rhythms, and then it goes to a sequence of like all the all of our characters underwater, and like Jude and, and Lucy like locked in, and again like as you said like picking something just a very passionate kiss. Yeah, they're like they're. They are all over each other. It's sort of in this like nebulous sort of space. It's like it's um, like underwater. Like it's uh, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, different characters are swimming towards them. They are swimming towards themselves at one point. It's like... <laughs> no, yeah, like this movie, and I think this sort of after the scene, yeah, it kind of marks the the sort of end of the more surreal aspects of this movie. Um, I think yeah, at this point I think, Max yeah, goes to the army yeah. and it's, I think the strawberry fields and then Jude and Lucy fight over her like oh, oh yeah strawberry fields has, has a lot of good has that a bit yeah too. exactly yeah yeah Max is in the army um, they've sort of there's like a lot of like tension between them Are they they're not broken up at this scene but this is like when like the problem is that like it's probably it's highest because like she's she's sort of like um, been involved with um I think there's like a name for it. Um, the students of the Democratic Republic. Um, yeah, who are a real group, by the yeah. way. This was like a... yeah, um, yeah, who were just like who were like uh, protesting like the war, um, and like yeah, and like pretty pretty like uh, it's weird because like they always. Um, I assume that like they, they were doing like pretty radical things in like history, but like the movie. I didn't really see a lot of things in the movie. They seem to just kind of be doing like protests and stuff. It's this movie's so weird because like I don't, I don't super understand Jude's problem. Um, yeah, Jude's thing, and I think the film does do do like a decent job, like kind of positioning where you both kind of get it. But yeah, Jude's thing is he's he's from England and he's not going to get drafted into this war, so he doesn't really like care as much. But then. His, but yeah, then he does kind of take issue with their more extre- extremist methods, and I don't think he sees the ball. Yeah, like, that's what confuses me a little bit. I guess that's the part that I don't really understand. Is that like I would, I would get it if like, yeah, I just feel like it's just. I don't feel like he sees enough to justify the way he feels. You know. Um, yeah, it's he doesn't like Paco, like the kind of bosser, because he. I mean, it's a, like, he doesn't like, like, it's more like kind of he's jealous that she's spending, like, all her time there, uh-huh. and then, but then, like, he also thinks revolution, which is, like, and very much, like, kind of denouncing their, like, a- actions, which, again, it's a complicated situation, because unless you're familiar with, oh, these, these, this group eventually, like, kind of blew themselves up, like, trying to trying to do stuff then it becomes weird where you're like why is this like peace loving guy like just getting into a fight with just peaceful protesters yeah like that's the part like it it makes it's it's like makes sense from like a greater historical context but not from like a personal one it does kind of make sense that he's like he would be very indifferent because like yeah like you said like it's it's america's war it's not like his um, he also, it's, he's also feels, he also could like feel that he's losing Lucy a little bit to it, 
not even like literally to Paco, but more like metaphorically to the movement. Um, and that he could be like kind of scared about that. Yeah, it's yeah, but yeah, definitely it's for. You know, I think an interesting, yeah, sit- situation and. Um. I'll, I'll say the conflict between like Sadie and Jojo, where it's like even though he's, like, the backup, he's becoming more, like, prominent in the kind or, like, or the kind of resentment that grows between them, I think, is more natural of a conflict. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I like that the... I feel like it's, like, very, like, um... It's very subtle, but I feel like they get... I feel like, um, yeah, Jojo and Sadie definitely get, like, the best screen time to chemistry ratio i feel um because like you get a lot of like you get a lot of understanding of like their relationship from like not that like i feel like the most screen time out of like the side ish characters but like not a lot so again so it's one of those movies where it's hard to talk about because so much of it is abstract but at the same time i could talk about like everything about this film (laughs) yeah uh you know it is a it is a wonderful experience. You yeah, know, I definitely like I did not going into the host choice, I didn't know I was going to get to watch like amazing hit after amazing hit. Um <laughs> I like we have to do this thing again. Um, especially when we get into maybe the the harder to watch weeks of the actual list. Um <laughs> but, Yeah. But I mean at that point it's just kinda of lame. Like we only have like a like about eight years or so left, but we'll we'll find an Everett thing. We'll we'll, we'll do like cata other categories or like find you, you know if hopefully people like this episode. Like I've I think it's like an interesting thing just picking stuff we like and then talking about it. Like it's yeah, and then um. Other, I'm trying to think of her songs. Um, the actual Across the Universe sequence, like when he's on the train and then it kind of winds up going in into like just, I, I think showing like the protests taking like a dark turn and police firing on them and stuff. That seems really good. Um, yeah. Hey Jude at the end is just like a rousing thing. And, Especially when, like, Max is, like, bad as the bandage, and then he does the, Judy, 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 <laughs> Oh, yeah, like, they're, they're, like, um, they're, like, uh, like, reconnection was, like, oh, I didn't realize how much, like, I cared about that. Like, it was actually, like, really, really sweet. Also, it's funny that he gets ejected from the country eventually, because he gets caught up in, like, a violence at a protest while trying to get to Lucy. And then... He and he gets supported, but then he just is able to immigrate his way back into the country. Like it's, yeah, it's. <laughs> I guess. I guess it's like it's not a. Yeah, I guess he just had to fill the right the right papers. Yeah. It also. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, you got caught legally, but feel free to come back legally. It's like, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not American, but I mean, like, I, I did not. I did, like. I was. Pre- I'm pretty sure that is not how the immigration process works. Like it's, it's how the if you've already been kicked out. Yeah, once, it's, it's how the judicial system works. I guess. Hey. 
Um, and then, yeah, they sing All You Need Is Love on the Roof at the end as an homage to the Beatles' big rooftop concert. Yeah. And an homage to the the Moulin Rouge one that came out, uh, I think, years later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's something I... Moulin oh, no, this came out before. Actually, like, it is like a similar film, I think, to Moulin Yeah, because they're also on a roof. But it's, it's a smaller part of a much more... Um, uh, like a, yeah. mel- a melody song or a... Sort of like, uh, what should I call it? Mashup. Yeah. Like, de- yeah, definitely. This, right, it's a smaller part of the larger, like. Yeah, the elephant two. love song melody. And then, yeah, yeah, the credits are Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Yeah, and also performed by Bono <laughs> and The Edge. <laughs> yeah, no, this movie. I'm like I'm trying to remember when I watched it. I think I watched this uh, second last, um, and I'm like really glad I held out because like this movie was just so nice and sweet. Um, like it probably is gonna make its way to like probably my top ten movies like easily. Like this is such wow. and like I also feel like this is sort of um, I feel like this is a benefit that for me personally that like a lot of musicals have. Is that like, I'll watch these again just to hear the music, um, or just to see like certain sequences. Like, it's definitely like something I'm going to be watching again in the future. Yeah, um, this is definitely a film. I I love it a lot. I've watched it a lot of times. Um, ever so. Oh yeah, we just brush over the beginning, but I do like you know both kind of the hold me tight where it's going back and forth between like kind of her wholesome prom and then like the CD club in London and then also the it won't be long sequence which is like her in school in different scenarios like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and of course I've just seen a face of the bowling alley <laughs> yeah oh no this movie is like even when it's like um even when it's not at it's like highest height it still like maintains like such a it's like the right word like it's super engaging um like even like the first bit i feel like now that i've seen the whole movie and like i know what's to come like i feel like watching that first bit i feel like i'll feel very differently about it um than i did like on this first go around because i had no idea going in I think that's all, at least I have to say about this for now, and I think we can get into our movie rankings. Yeah. Um, so this is, like, very, very tough. Um, like, understand that all of these, in my eyes, are absolute bangers. Um, so like these are all really, really close, but I think if I had to put the movie rankings, I think at the bottom, um, I think I would have The Witness... I think it's like a really strong movie and it has like really strong scenes. I just don't know if I'm gonna watch the whole movie again anytime soon. Um, and then above that, I'd probably put Shrek Four. Like super surprisingly great, super creative, has like a strong emotional core. Sort of um, isn't the funniest Shrek movie. Um, doesn't have an Eels song to my knowledge. Maybe it does, and I actually don't know. Um, and then above that one. Um, Oh, this is so tough. I think I would put um, 
Oh, this is actually really tough. Oh, man. Um, I think I would put Twilight, just because I feel like there's there's more they could have done with, like, all of the side characters that they, like, grabbed right at the end. Um, there's, like, a little more they could have done. Uh, but it's also, like, a book movie, so, like, that's really tough. Um, and then, I yeah, it's pretty obvious. I think my top slot uh, would have to go to Across the Universe with the Hell of a Boss episode right below it. Um, I absolutely love the Across the Universe. That what, what a what a knock out of the park movie. Wow, yeah, solid rankings. It's like actually, like wait, did you forget about the Hell of a Boss? It's like no, you got it. It's high up on the high. Um, yeah. So again. All these I like a lot, um, just because something has to be at the bottom. I, well, I mean, there are different levels that I like three of these films versus the two I picked. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. But just because something has to be at the bottom, we got, yeah, we'll have the hell of a boss there. Like, you know, it's, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it's fun. Like, uh, yeah, and definitely, like, I can see people's, like, appreciation for it. It's, it's just really... Shrek Forever After was the one where, like, and I had seen it before, and I was like, eh, this is fine, and it seems like a default bottom, and then I'm like, oh, no, this is actually, like, really, really good. Like, it's, yeah, um, <laughs> if, yeah, if you think this film is bad, you're probably wrong. No, I shouldn't say that, but, like, it's, <laughs> give it another shot, yeah. you know? Like, it's, you know, yeah. don't watch it close to Shrek 2. I, I I talked with Ian a lot after it, and like, um, like, Shrek Two is insanely good. Uh, this is not going to replace your favorite Shrek movie, but it is a it goes above and beyond in like a sequel of a sequel of a sequel. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after that, I have yeah Twilight. Um great film great closer then above that i have witness again a film i just i love it a lot it's just really 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 good and i'm like glad you enjoyed it and like you know solid solid kiss really solid like non-kiss scene um and i mean i guess most scenes in a movie are a non-kiss scene but yeah you get what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what we'll start doing after the end of this podcast is uh, all the non-kiss scenes in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> right, that won't... That's already mostly what we do. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, across the universe, like, number one. I. This is like, again, in the Kenny canon, this, like, just holds a very special, like, place as kind of just one of my favorite films and one that I think was really formulative for me and like my developing uh and the development of my taste and just big maximalist spectacles like it's great but how did the kisses do yeah um again this is again with the movie ranking like all of these are like they are packed together like sausages like they're they are sardines in a can um, but I think at the bottom, um, I'm sorry that the witness is playing double duty at the bottom. Um, like these are all amazing movies. I think just, I think it's the music choice that just like, it threw me, you know? And like, I think 
the non-kiss scene was just so good um, that it sort of like it it in a way like brought this one down a little bit. Um, I think right above that, I would probably put um, the Hell of Boss one. Um, really good kiss. Um, it's in like an episode that's not really about like the people it's between. So like that takes away from it a little bit, but like it's a solid kiss. Um, and then above that one would be the Shrek four kiss. Um, like absolutely great, like great musical sting at the end, like works wonders for the story acts as such a powerful, like turning point and like realization. And then this is like super duper tough. And it's not fair and it's cheating, but I'm putting Twilight above Across the Universe. Um, I don't think Twilight earned it. I think if I went back and I rewatched both these movies, I wouldn't feel this way. But like, damn, Twilight got me on that Twilight high. I I really can't get off it at the moment. Wow. Well... The whole, like, the whole driving question of this was, did Twilight earn all of these, and now you just bought into it, so I guess, <laughs> well done on that. Like, this this works to the narrative, but... Okay, so, yeah, um, at the bottom, that's... Yeah. Oh, I probably, I probably got the hell of a boss one, like, you know, it's... I was skeptical of having to judge cartoon kisses, but like it's, well, I'm, in it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this works. This is good. They like animate it, so you're like, yeah, this is a kiss. Um, and then above that, yeah, above that is like the Shrek kiss, and this is maybe I should have just staggered this. Yeah, I'll, both I'll both animated like, kisses at the bottom. We see we have a bias. <laughs> Oh <laughs> well, no! It's just like because I really love the other. No, that that's kisses. fair. These are, like, this was an amazing like group of movies and stuff. Look, I appreciate the idea of nominating a kiss that doesn't turn out to be true love's kiss. But you know what can be even better than that? Kisses that are true. Love's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I can agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Then after that, yeah, witness. Um. I agree with what, what you said. Like, it's a solid kiss, but it's definitely not the most romantic scene in the film. I'm just glad we got to talk about Witness. And then, yeah, this is going to be tough. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to stick my guns. Like, look, Twilight kiss, it's, it's good. We gave Twilight the best kiss here more times than I ever thought we would when I had started this podcast, so... I think that's a victory in itself. I think we keep breaking down part two. It's due, and I think Across the Universe definitely has the best kiss out of all of these films. <laughs> no, I, I respect it. Um. <laughs> they kiss underwater for like 20 seconds. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that. I just, um, it's not fair. Twilight, Twilight's like, Twilight's got all the inertia in the world. I didn't, it would, it would take something insane to knock that over in my head and across the universe is also like a pretty corny kiss like they're very naked when they're kissing like it's no this was uh the first annual uh not annual the first ever host choice episode um and it will not be the last um i had an amazing time this was like really really nice um 
like palate cleanser. Um, as much as the movies that we do on this on this podcast are like nice, um, it is grading uh, uh, isn't the right word, but it is kind of um, like it's a little boring when you're watching all the movies from like the same year that like they can only really be so different in a lot of aspects that like you don't really get to appreciate with like other stuff. Um, and this was really, really nice to, to watch some of the, some of the hidden, the hidden gems. Um, and I think I told this to you last time that like, um, across the universe would have not only would have kicked out Disturbia a hundred percent, it would have like, it would have stomped on step up to the streets a hundred percent, like would have just cleaned house in 2008. Yeah, like, I get it that I'm not nominating it, because it wasn't, like, one of the huge films of the year, and, like, Jim, we didn't really talk about this as much, but, like, Jim Sturgis, who plays, like, Jude, had a moment where it seemed like he was gonna be big, and then he did, like, a, had a Crossing Universe and 21, a much worse film, the same year, and then really just did not, like, materialize in the way that, like, Shia LaBeouf's career did for a time, so... I kind of get it, but yeah, like, Crossing Universe should have won. And I will give Twilight this. I do think that whoever wins 2013, we compare it to see how it stacks up to Breaking Dawn Part 2. Like, obviously we can't give Breaking Dawn Part 2, like... Yeah. We, we, can't, ha- we can't give it the official title, but we can see how yeah, it Yeah, we can see, like, in an alternate universe, would it have won, you know? And then it'll also have much more of a sobering view on the Twilight movies than I do right now. Because right now I'm, I am I am absolutely on cloud nine of of Twilight. Like it is, it was such. I'm so glad that I got to watch all of them and and see them in full. Um, there's something like so nice about it. Yeah, your heart's beating fast, <laughs> colors and crosses. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of like, <laughs> a big finish, but <laughs> um, yeah. So, hey, recommendations of the week. What you got this week? Uh, this week, um, we truly, we truly recommend everything that we've recommended to each other this week. Right. You talked about once earlier, and I will say that is like a film I've never seen it. I know the song; it's good. But a film that director has done that I like a lot is called Sing Street. Um, it is, yeah, it is a film that has, yeah, it, it's basically set in, I, I think the 80s, it's like a different time, but it's, it's about like a, essentially a group of kids who go to start like a band, and it is, it is kind of a musical, they have original songs, but it's, sort of something about these people and how they kind of go from songs that are basically just ripping off like David Bowie and just kind of other groups at the time. Okay, yeah, it's a 1985 and how like and how they kind of developed to something original and kind of just that kind of process and it's really cool. It's the characters are Irish and yeah, why Watch that! Watch that movie this week. In addition to the films we recommended, it's yeah. really good. Yeah, cool. um, I have something uh, a little different. Um, this movie is 
an experience and I would not shame anyone for doing it in like 10 minute chunks. It's a movie called uh, Kick Assia. Um, it's made by a YouTuber called the Nostalgia Critic. Um, he like made like an original movie that is like it. It's more fascinating. I believe you're recommending something the Nostalgia Critic. Yeah, I'm about, I'm about to say like it's way more fascinating than it is at all good. Um, it's so bafflingly strange in both concept execution um and i feel like i'm in a very unique position um because this this it's kind of like an end game of people that really like like internet reviewers from like the early 2000s but i don't know any of these people in the movie and i feel like that that brands you with such a unique experience when watching it and i would highly recommend this to all our viewers yeah well it's, i'll say not what i expected where i was expecting you to be going with this but yeah fun recommendations um, so what do you got to plug uh buckle in your seats i'm not gonna spell it this time uh i have a twitter uh it's at fat uh there's an underscore in there i spelled it for you a little bit um, and then my Instagram is not two pens. That's with a number and underscores. Yeah, well, uh, it goes a lot quicker when you're not spelling it out, huh? Um, yeah, I am on Twitter and Letterbox at like a Wolverine. That's L I K E A Wolverine. <laughs> I'm like, what if I'm missing? I was going to spell it and then I just backed out. I fucking get paid off. Um,. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then you can find the show on Twitter at Gold Popcorn Pod. You can email us at pastagoldenpopcorn at gmail.com. Um, yeah. What, what do you think should have won? If you could have put any film into the MTV Movie Versus Beer, what would you do? So there's some prompts you could use, or you can just ignore it and, um, yeah, move, move on. Our theme song is by one Matt Samard. Our artwork is by one Ben, the Ben Greg, the co-host. Um, our yeah, we're hosts. We're hosted on Friendly Mush. Um, and yeah, host choice was great. And next week we are back into twenty thirteen with films where once again we have already said like four of the stuff that was getting nominated but we didn't talk about the winner so that'll be a mystery um, for best kiss 2013 the nominees are emma watson and logan lerman the perks of being a wallflower kara hayward and jared gilman moonrise kingdom Kerry Washington and Jamie Foxx, Django Unchained, Myla Kunis and Mark Wahlberg, Ted, and the winner, Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper, Silver Linings Playbook. Oh man, <laughs> it's going to be a little bit of whiplash doing this week. Yeah, moving out of the <laughs> Twilight Saga and into <laughs> the... The Tediverse. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to make a Ted yeah. 3. Yeah. 
And if you think this next year's films are eclectic, just wait till you find out what's on the docket for 2014. (laughs) 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 Yeah, MTV is going to take a couple years, I think, to fight back against the kind of more populist, big franchise-y type movies. But we'll get to that next week. Till then, yeah, you keep passing that golden popcorn and... Heart beats fast, colors and promises, how to breathe brave, how can I love when I'm afraid to fall, but watching you stand. Love you for it. Uh-huh.